hello, Cindy. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We, we wish, wish you a Merry Christmas. Hanukkah. We wish you a Merry Kwanzaa. And a Happy New Year. And also any other winter solstice holidays we may have missed. Yes, yes. yes. Can't forget about all of the other solstice things going on. Yes. <gasps> Saturnalia. What did you just say? Saturnalia. What is that? <gasps> oh, Cindy, we're going to have to do another podcast on top of this for me to go over Saturnalia, what Saturnalia is, how it's the OG Christmas. Next December, I'm writing it down right now. Next December, Saturnalia. <laughs> is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but in the meantime, I feel like we... We, since the holidays are upon us, and I am an enthusiastic participant in Christmas, I feel like, are you also an enthusiastic participant in Christmas? I believe that twinkle lights should be year-round. Oh, I agree. But to share our enthusiasm with all of our listeners, our gift to you this holiday season is we have 12 podcasts that we will be releasing as a buildup to Christmas. An advent calendar of not another history podcast episode. <gasps> yes, exactly. A The 12 days of Christmas, perhaps. It's <gasps> <gasps> a great idea. We yes. should have done that. Oh, no, wait. Nope. We did do that. <gasps> Surprise! <laughs> this is ridiculous and I love it. <laughs> Me too. Well, so here's the thing. When I was talking to Katie about doing 12 podcast episodes based on the song the 12 days of christmas katie gently reminded me that the 12 days of christmas actually don't begin until after christmas is that right yes december it's the 12 days of christmas actually covers christmas until epiphany which is january 6th so technically speaking we are doing this way in advance but if you are an Advent fan, an Advent calendar fan, then we're right on time? Uh, we're doing it like halvesies because an Advent calendar is 24 days. We're just doing 12. That's true. We are like the cheap knockoff Dollar Tree store version of a Dior Advent calendar. Exactly. Half as many, but I like to think it's quality, not quantity. Maybe for yours, Katie. Mine is definitely a little <laughs> bit more iffy on the quality. No, I have faith in you, Cindy. I think they're going to be they're going to be amazing. So yes, in honor of Advent calendars, the Advent season, just the holidays in general, Katie and I are recording and releasing twelve episodes based on the song "The Twelve Days of Christmas." Very, very loosely, we might add. <laughs> Yeah, there's a little asterisk there, <laughs> loosely. It's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of like um, Carl, Yo Carl Jung. Yep. This is kind of like the Jungian version of the 12 Days of Christmas podcast, um, because it was more like a word association. <laughs> like, when you, you say turtle dove, I say... Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Perfect. This should be a real educational experience for everyone. 
And on that note, Cindy, without further ado, before I get into the first day of Christmas, I do want to talk a little bit about the history of the 12 Days of Christmas, the song itself. Now, would you be surprised to know that the 12 Days of Christmas, the song, um, it, the lyrics actually predate the music that we know? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> Siri, shut up. Go away, Siri. Wait, are you calling me Siri? <laughs> Cindy, I'm so sorry. I missed it for some reason. She who shall not be named popped up on my laptop, and I don't know how to get her go away. Go away, Katie. I feel like this is just your chance. You're taking out some <laughs> anger on me, and you're like, "No, it's Siri." <laughs> Siri, shut up! Shut up! Cindy, <laughs> stop interrupting my ads and podcast. I'm sorry. I don't even. How do I get to go sure. get her to go away? Can you hear me? Okay. I don't hear. Okay, because she popped up for me on my end. Go away. Go, Siri, go away. Siri, go away. She's still here. <clears throat> I, I, all right, I'm just going to pick up. <laughs> so, Cindy, would you be surprised to know that these, the lyrics for the 12 Days of Christmas actually predates the song itself by approximately 200 years? I'm going to act surprised so Siri doesn't come back. <laughs> I didn't know that. So according to the Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes, the earliest version of the 12 Days of Christmas, it comes from a 1780 anonymous anonymous collection of songs, stories, and games in a book entitled Mirth Without Mischief, (laughs) which is like a, I like to think, um, a late 18th century version of like the activity book like to just to keep kids busy like here <laughs> go mirth yourselves children mommy's busy churning this butter <laughs> go mirth yourselves somewhere else children um and I, I got a chance to see it it's you can find it on the internet um it's public domain it's very interesting because like in addition to the the, the and it says it's a song but there's no music to go along with it of uh, the 12 days of Christmas, there's also some very fun games you can play. Um, something looks a lot like the precursor to yoga and Pilates, where you have to like make letters with your body and numbers with your body. This is in the children's book of mirth. Yes, mirth without mischief. From and the 17, also, 1700s? 1780s, yes. I'm actually really impressed they had yoga in there. I thought it'd be like, take a, a wooden stick and hit your sister in the face. <laughs> I also enjoy that game. This, this is 1780. There's literally nothing else to do. Sticky Facey? Who doesn't love that game? <laughs> I love it. Um, there's also, I found it very interesting, a like precursor to sign language. It's called The Art of Talking with the Fingers, where you make different letters with your fingers. I also am well-versed at talking with my fingers. <laughs> Sorry, no, that wasn't at you. That was at Siri. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's actually a sign of, of, of respect in some cultures. Oh. No, it's not at all. No, no, not, not even idea. a little bit. <laughs> There's also a game called Love and Hatred. It's the story of my life. Would you like to know how to play? Are you sure you're not reading a book of all about me, Katie. <laughs> it's it's possible. It is anonymous, so you could have traveled back in time, written it, and come back just for this podcast. It's very possible. Ugh, that's why I'm so tired. So the the premise is you get you play this game with a group of people. And it's a lot like if you've ever played the I'm going on a picnic and I'm taking blah, blah, blah game mm-hmm. as like an icebreaker. Um, 
But instead of just saying, I'm going on a picnic and I'm taking a food that begins with the first letter of my name, what you need to do instead is to take the first letter of whomever you love and use that letter to describe something you love about that person, something you hate about that person, a place you would like to take that person, an activity you would do with that person at that location, and what you plan to eat and drink with that person. Okay, Katie, let's play. Okay. So the person whom I love starts with a C. And what I love about this person is she's capricious. What I hate about her is that she, uh, oh, shoot. Um, she can be a twit. She can be a twit. Uh, I'm going to take a place. I'm going to take her to California where we are going to conquer a winery and we shall eat chips and drink Cabernet. And her name is Cindy. So good. The person I love is Katie because she is caring with a K. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot to mention, if you mess up, you get called out and then you have to pay a fine. But that would be determined by the group. So you could make it a drinking game if you really wanted to or something. So. I thought you were going to say I get hit in the face with a stick. Old sticky face. Sticky face. Sticky facey. The person I love is Katie because she is kind and she kicks kids, not children, baby goats. And I would take her to Kenya where we would eat koalas. Koalas. <laughs> Koalas because they are adorable and therefore delicious and rain. There's also kiwi fruit. We can just eat a kiwi fruit too. <laughs> She's a carnivore with a game. And we would drink kiwi fruit. <laughs> kiwi juice. Excellent. Well done. Well played. So this is a fun game that you could play with your family as well around the Christmas tree if, if you're so inclined. But moving along. The song itself is believed to have come from France, um, and in its original version, the 1780 version, the the lyrics are identical, except that the calling birds are instead referred to as uh, collie birds with an O. Which I will address in my episode on calling birds. Excellent. So the current tune, as we know it, was published by Frederick Austin in 1909. And it's worth noting that there are, so this song is considered a um, cumulative Christmas song because it builds as the song goes. Um, There are other songs like this in Europe. So there's a version in Scotland, a version in Sweden, a version in France, and also the Faroe Islands. However, there are variations on the number of gifts, um, the order in which the gifts are given, and then also the gifts themselves. So like, for example, in Scotland, you also receive gifts of an Arabian baboon and a peacock. In France, you get biting cows. And in the Faroe Islands, you get 14 rounds of cheese. Ooh, that sounds delicious. I want to go to Christmas there. Yeah, me too. Sign me up. And contrary to popular belief, there's actually no symbolism behind the gifts whatsoever. Um, Some historians have said, oh, maybe there is, especially um, a lot of religious historians believe that perhaps 
the each of the gifts symbolizes something within Catholicism, but generally other scholars refute that and say that no, that's highly unlikely. It's just it's just a fun children's game. Sometimes a fun children's game is just a fun children's game and not actually part of a wider conspiracy or have any more cultural significance. Go figure. Mm. All right. So, so on that and note, on that note, for the first day of Christmas, it's everyone's favorite partridge in a pear tree. And a partridge in a pear tree. Now, Cindy, would you believe that there is some controversy over what exactly is in that tree? It's a partridge. Not according to some versions. In some versions, it's just a bough of a juniper tree. And it's, it's possible that it is not actually a pear tree at all, but it's just a partridge. Yes, it's just a partridge in a pear tree. But no pear tree. Oh, and just a partridge in a regular old tree. No, no trees. No trees. And just a partridge at my front door. <laughs> That would be even more adorable. So in the French version of the song, the lyric is sometimes written as uh, jolie uh, perdue, which is French for pretty partridge. Oh, but if you're American like us, say that again. Perdue. That sounds like pear tree. Exactly. (gasps) So some historians believe that because the song came from France to English, that to English ears, Pierre sounds a lot like Pear Tree, and just as you made that beautiful connection, Cindy, that indeed, it's just a partridge. Just a partridge. It's just a partridge, ah. yeah. So, are you familiar at all with the myths surrounding partridges and how they came, came to be, according to the ancient Greeks? <laughs> no, but I'm sure it involves decapitating somebody and throwing it up into the heavens. Okay, you're half right on that. Ooh, I really hope it's the decapitation part. You got it halfway. I'll give you credit for it. So when I was thinking about partridges, it made me think of this myth. So according to the ancient Greeks, and I know we will, I will steer the ship back into the historical realm. I know we're veering off into mythological land, but I promise you we will, we, I will write the ship. So according to the ancient Greeks, the partridge um originated when do you remember do you know of daedalus and icarus yes the ones who made the wings and flew up to the sky the sun flew too close to the sun. so before daedalus made the wings for his son and then icarus flew too close to the the sun he had a nephew named perdix which is the latin name for partridge um and actually the scientific name for partridge as well so daedalus's nephew Perdix came and stayed with him. And now Perdix was just naturally gifted, very, very smart, very intelligent, surpassing both Icarus and Daedalus. And Daedalus became incredibly jealous of Perdix, that he took him to the top of a a mountain and chucked him off because he couldn't compete with this child. Oh, no. But do not fret, Cindy. Because the gods are just. And Athena, goddess of wisdom and warfare, saw what was happening to poor Paradox. And before he hit the ground, she turned him into a partridge. 
so that he would not die. Oh, what if she just instead like put a mattress on the ground or something? And that is how partridges came to be. Also, that's apparently why partridges don't like to fly up high because they don't want to get chucked off mountains. Oh, the more you know, the oh. more you know. So, thinking back on this myth, I tried to think of all the famous historical people who've been chucked out of windows or off of roofs or. <laughs> And then turned into partridges. And turned into partridges. None have turned into partridges so far. I did find a couple of very sad but like awful ways that people have met their demise in history from falling off of things. What comes to mind is in 1993, a Canadian uh, lawyer was uh, like inside some building in Toronto, and in order to show that the windows were shatterproof he ran up against it and it gave way and he fell out of like a 24 story window fell to his death who was there who who was there egging him on they were like no surely they're not shatterproof i don't know but who would take that bet like just on the off chance no thank you nobody was talking about the bachelor (laughs) nobody was talking about the game last night just debating whether or not the window was shatterproof so that story obviously was too short, not interesting enough, not historic enough, in my opinion. Which brings me to the story of Griffith Ap Schwellen. Is he Welsh? He is Welsh, Cindy, yes. Yes! I could tell by <laughs> Griffith Ab Schwellen, born circa 1196 CE, died 1st of March, 1244 CE. So as a child, he was kept as a hostage by King John of England until he was released in 1215, thanks to a clause in the Magna Carta, which said he had to be released. That's very convenient. Wow, he had some good connections. So he was supposed to inherit his father's lands when he died. Um, his father is Schwellen, because in Welsh, Ap Schwellen means son of Schwellen. So he was supposed to inherit his father's lands. Um, but he was he horribly mismanaged the lands that he was given, and his father ended up taking those away in 1221. He got super pissed off and decided, mm, I think the best way to get those lands back is probably by force. So in 1223, he brought a, a host of soldiers to try and take back his land. This did not go so well, and his father ended up imprisoning him until 1234. His father ends up dying in 1240, as old men tend to do, and his brother Daphith takes over and imprisons him. In 1241, King Henry III of England invades Wales, and Daphith ends up handing his brother over to the king to be imprisoned in the Tower of London, along with two of Griffith's sons. So Griffith's wife, Sanana, ends up trying to get her husband freed uh, from the Tower of London, she pays a huge ransom to the to King Henry. She ends up paying a huge ransom to Henry in the hopes that he'll set her husband free. But unfortunately, that's not how Henry rolls. And he keeps the, the money, but and uh, he keeps the money and also keeps Griffith as a hostage. Um, so Griffith, after a while, you know, I mean, he's been imprisoned three times in his life. He's getting a little bit sick of things. So in 1244, he decides, you know what, 
it's time to make a break for it. So he, he, I think he's been watching one too many escape films because he goes and he takes the bed sheets and he ties them together. He throws the rope of bed sheets outside, out the window, and he makes his way down. Now, I've heard two conflicting stories about what actually transpired. There's one story that says that the rope that he had strung together was much too short and he ended up falling to his death. The other says that he was, as he was scaling down the side of the tower, um, he was a bit corpulent and it broke and he fell to his death and died. Oh, or no. he, fell, he fell to his death. I, I, honestly, I think that's probably what happened. Those bed sheets, man, those aren't, those aren't built for climbing up and down. They definitely weren't 400 count Egyptian cotton. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. And that is the unfortunate story of Griffith Ap, Ap, Griffith Ap Schwellen. I'm waiting for the part where he turned into a partridge and flew away. No, he Aww. didn't. Aww. So, wait, wait, is that the end? Is that the end of a partridge in a pear tree? That's it. That's all I got. That's it. That's it. Someone in history who fell out of a window and died. And a corpulent corpse on my front porch. And a dead Welshman in my garden. (laughs) 